Have a great show, brother. Uh, Happy we'll be weekend. back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. Leland starts right now. Tonight, first, do no harm. Biden's worst week ever leaves aides and allies stunned. I'm a Biden supporter, I, I, and I slept like a baby last night. I woke up every two hours crying and went to bed. And Americans anxious over the fitness of the commander-in-chief. He's made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake on camera this week. Are there no better options? Democrat Dean Phillips on if it's too late for another choice. California nightmare. The Golden State turns muddy from a deluge of water. Why the hundreds of billions spent for climate change never include common sense fixes. Place your bets, place your prayers. Records spent gambling on the Super Bowl and on religious ads. Amen. Join us in prayer this Lent on Hallow. To air during the game. How to talk about the Super Bowl without saying Taylor Swift. Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. First tonight, President Biden's real problem. Last night, the betting market odds on Joe Biden as the Democratic nominee plummeted. If he doesn't become the nominee, if things radically change this week, last night will be pointed to as the inflection point. In the latest NBC News poll, 76% of Americans report concerns about Biden's mental fitness. And last night's press conference violated the first rule of politics. First, do no harm. The problem for President Biden in the White House isn't the devastating special counsel report, nor is it his disastrous snap press conference last night that was supposed to prove his mental fitness. The problem for Biden is that there is nothing he can do to fix the underlying issue. Today, he sidestepped reporters during an Oval Office meeting with the German Chancellor. Thank you all very much. For what it's worth, he was sitting with the same German chancellor that twice on Wednesday he called by the name of a German chancellor who died 20 years ago. And it is no surprise he didn't take questions. Last night, after the special counsel investigating him, delivered a report calling Mr. Biden, quote, an elderly man with poor memory, President Biden tried, emphasis tried, to go on the offensive. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. While lashing out at the man who embarrassed him, and the special counsel, to be fair, really embarrassed President Biden. President Biden then showed the world that his memory is in fact failing him. It was especially clear during that moment when he was talking about his late son, Bo Biden's rosary. I wear since the day he died, every single day, the rosary he got from Our Lady of... To be fair, that could be emotion. A man so angry, so embarrassed, so emotional about his son's death that he couldn't speak. So angry at Robert Hur that he just blanked Our Lady of... But after his prepared remarks, Biden took questions, as if to prove the report calling him an elderly man with bad memory wasn't true. Here he is talking about what he's doing to help the Palestinians in Gaza. 
I think that, uh, as you know, initially, the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. I talked to Bibi to open the gate on the Israeli side. Turns out it's not the president of Mexico who would open the gate. He's referring to the president of Egypt. Last night, President Biden said he's the most qualified man to run for president in 2024. And voters, in the end, are going to be the ones to decide that. But much like Mr. Biden doesn't have any options to fix how people feel about his mental capacity, Democrats don't really have many options to replace him. After all, they rigged the primary system to prevent any meaningful challenge. The only person less popular with voters than Mr. Biden is his number two, Kamala Harris. You think you just fell out of a coconut tree? (laughs) You exist in the context of all in which you live and what came before you. When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population... During Women's History Month, we celebrate and we honor the women who made history throughout history. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Let let us all be clear that the attack is misplaced. If the point of it is that we need leadership that is strong, because we have a strong leader in the United States. That's an excellent answer. And uh, the question was, what is the job of the vice president? (laughs) Congressman Dean Phillips is with us. He's running against President Biden, the Democratic primary, as much as there is a Democratic primary. Congressman, it's good to see you. Good to see you, Leland. I bet you're not very surprised. You've been talking about this. You're the only Democrat who's been talking about this for a while. Well, most Democrats know it. They've been feeling it. I think I'm the only one saying the quiet part out loud, Leland. I remember about, I think it was July of 2022, where I first said the president should pass the torch, cement his legacy. He did a fine job saving the country, I believe. And the only reason we're having these conversations right now is because he's running again. His next term would end in January of 2029. I don't think these conversations would be as significant if he had already decided to pass the torch, open the stage to a new generation, which is what he should have done. And it's sad to see. It's sad to see. Democrats, including you, have been extraordinarily critical of Republicans' devotion to Donald Trump. It's something that Democrats sort of can't understand about Republicans. Why do Democrats seem to have the same devotion to President Biden? I think we've entered an age of cults of personality, and I don't quite understand it. I think it's dangerous. I think it's delusional. And the whole message here should be, first of all, people need to vote in primaries. That's one. The reason we're handing the keys to the 5% of the far left, 5% of the far right, is the tragedy right now in the country. And then we have two political parties that are not promoting competition, in many cases actually stifling it, suppressing voters, candidates, and speech. When I say speech, I'm talking about debates. There may not even be any this year. We got a lot of problems. And I'm, all my message is competition. It's the United States of America. The more, the merrier. Let voters decide. And then things will get better. But in this. Okay, well, speak, to be fair, speaking of competition, South Carolina, mm-hmm. President Biden, 96%. You, sure. uh, 1.7%. Mm-hmm. New Hampshire, Biden, 63%, 64%. Uh, you didn't break 20%. Uh, what, what's next for you? Well, introducing myself. I mean, the system is not designed to platform anybody but the coordinated candidate. And it's complicated. I'm going to continue to do what you do when you run for president. Face voters, do debates, do town halls, show up, go to coffee shops and cafes. And 
When you got about 5% name recognition, as I do, by the way, anybody can become famous in politics. You just got to be a jerk. That's the whole problem right now. We have perverse Fair incentives, enough. Leland. It's true. The people most Americans know in Congress are not the workhorses. They're the show horses. And therein lies the big problem. It's have you gotten rewarding. any calls today with apologies or offers to help? I have. I've gotten some notes today from people who are recognizing that they were subject don't, don't, you to don't have delusion. To give me, you don't I'm have to give me names. You don't have to give me names. But give me, but give me why that changes the conversation for you. I think, first of all, most of my colleagues have recognized this. But there's a system, Leland, in Congress where if you get out of line, you risk losing your next election. I'm not running for re-election. I'm not subject. I don't need the money. I don't need uh, the re-election support from the DCCC or whoever it might be. And that's liberating. My colleagues don't have that luxury, so they have to stay in line, oftentimes uh, counter their own principles. And that's what we're seeing. By the way, it's not unique to one party or the other. We saw it with my Republican colleagues with Trump. Now it's happening so, with Biden. Let, let's play this out. We, we played the clip of Kamala Harris, who arguably is less popular and less electable than Joe Biden is, at least at the current moment, if you look at the polling, um, especially in swing states. What are the options for Democrats right now? Well, right now, I'm the only other Democrat in the race. You have to, by the way, one of the most complicated parts of running for president is getting onto the state ballots. Cost me over $2 million, probably thousands of hours. Uh, there are barriers to entry that are artificially designed to keep candidates away. So, so and is, now there, is there a, a situation where we get so to... I'm on 40, well, let me just tell what? you, I'm on 42 state ballots. I believe is the number, 42, most of the states. I'm the only alternative in the race right now, and that's the way the system is designed. Frankly, I wish it was designed differently. I tried to get others to enter the stage because competition is good. None of the people I called with names much better known than mine decided to do it, and here we are. All right, so play this out for us, Mm -hmm. because I think last night and into today is the first time there's been real discussion of what happens if, dot, 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 with Joe Biden, Uh, whether it be voluntary Mm -hmm. that he steps down or as... Um, some say an actuarial event occurs, which obviously nobody hopes for, but you have to plan for it when somebody's that old. How does this work at the convention? I mean, are are we going to show up in in Chicago in 24 and it's going to look like Chicago in 68? I hope it doesn't for a lot of reasons. But first of all, we've only had three primaries so far. Most of the country doesn't know me. I think, unfortunately, because of yesterday's events, I think more, in fact, I think uh, searches for my name today went up gazillion percent, if that was a number. Uh, my point being, there's suddenly interest. Donald Trump thinks gazillion. Gazillion's a, a big, that's a big number. Let me just tell you. Uh, my point is that people are taking interest. They're finally being jarred into reality. So many Americans did not want either of these men at the top of the ticket, but are now only starting to pay attention. I hope the convention is not a brokered convention. That's a disaster. There's still a number of months. There are still 47 states, I believe, that have, have their primaries forthcoming. I'm going to compete. I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to show up. And I respect the president. I hope he shows up. I think one thing that would actually help him is doing so, doing the Super Bowl interview, doing a debate with me. It doesn't have to be aggressive. <laughs> Just show up. You know, that's what a president I, I, do. I, I, I hear you. you know, um, I think last night sealed that face. We actually and the other thing is, you know, frankly, with, if you don't show up, you don't understand people are really suffering right now. Costs are out of control for many families in this mm-hmm. country. Chaos at our border, around the world. You know, showing up with voters and having a few minutes with them is what this job is about. And if you don't do that, it's hard to understand what you as the executive, the chief executive of the United States of America should be focused on. But housing, health care, education costs, families are struggling right now. Yeah, that, that, that's true. It's good to see you. Thank sir. you, Leland. Appreciate your time as always. Thank you. Democrats did what they always accused Republicans of doing in response to the special counsel's report. They attacked the Department of Justice. And you could argue 
weakened Americans' faith in our institutions. The way that the president's demeanor in that report was characterized could not be more wrong on the facts and clearly politically motivated. You know, these are experienced people at the Justice Department who spent decades working at the Justice Department, and they're saying it's gratuitous. They're saying that this is inappropriate, that this is inconsistent with DOJ policy and practice. I agree with President Biden's reaction, which was absolutely outrageous to question the president's experience in the death of his son. All right, Alex Thompson's here, national political correspondent for Axios, perhaps the best sourced reporter at the White House. When people lash out, it tends to be one one of two reasons. Either they're embarrassed or they're scared. I'm wondering which emotion is over there at the White House tonight. Why not both? I mean, the fact is that this report is incredibly is incredibly. Would would a indictment have been better than this report? Maybe because because an indictment, at least you say, oh, I mishandled classified documents. I didn't do what Donald Trump did, which was that I didn't return them when I was asked. There was no obstruction charge. Um, but at least maybe there was the equi- but now you have the uh, two things you have equivalency with Donald Trump in terms of you mishandled classified documents and you have the added burden of he's not charging you because he is saying he assumed you would present yourself as a man with diminished faculties that couldn't remember and not just the you you know people 45 say oh I can't recall in judicial settings in this case it was like I can't remember I'm 81. Pull, pull the curtain back for us, okay? Because we sat here 24 hours ago and all of a sudden saw the email that said Biden's going to speak at 745 tonight and we're stunned. And everybody I talked to was stunned. Pull the curtain back. What was happening inside the White House that led to, from the special counsel's report, to Joe Biden coming out and, and doing what he did? One word, fury. And, and not just with the White House staff, with the president himself. The president... It is not known because, as widely because he has sort of a, a genial demeanor, especially publicly. Behind the scenes, Joe Biden has an enormous, volcanic at times, temper. That's what this report triggered, especially the fact that they questioned. And, and I don't know if we're ever going to see the transcript, but, the tran- but according to special counsel Herr, Joe Biden did not remember when his son died. Right. Years apart from when he died. And that line in particular... There's no line or, or, or issue that really gets at Joe Biden's temper more than his family. That line stuck, and he was fuming. And the thing is, this, this White House almost never puts this president in televised public right. settings after 7 p.m., almost ever. In part because, I can tell you, behind the curtain, they worry sometimes that he gets a little tired. He gets a little fatigued. The stutter comes back. He'll make mistakes. This was a move motivated by one thing and one thing only— Joe Biden's fury hmm. at the special counsel report. That's why you saw him go out there defiant. And it's also why you saw him. Do they, think, do they think it worked last night? Are they sitting there high fiving this morning going, oh, I mean, publicly they are. But what are they saying privately? Depends who you talk to. I think there are a few camps in this situation. I don't think almost anybody really thinks that it was an effective display of leadership. The fact that you throw your staff 
under the bus. The fact that you sort of right. go back and forth. I'm going to interrupt you for I'm going to interrupt you for one second. Here's why: because your microphone is having some issues. So we're going to play a soundbite of Bill O'Reilly from earlier in the week, almost predicting this, and we're going to change your microphone. Great. Give us one second. But Joe Biden's handlers, including his wife, who is growing in influence, Joe Biden, they don't know what he's going to say from hour to hour. They cannot put him out there because if a tough question is lodged, nobody knows whether Biden is capable of answering it without blowing himself up. And just like that, we can now hear Alex Thompson of Axios. I thought Bill O'Reilly bringing up Joe Biden was really, really interesting. And I'm wondering if that's what the White House wants. Uh, this was in Mike Allen's note this morning. American Woman is coming out, a book about the First Ladies. She had watched a news conference. This was back in 2022 that was uh, very problematic, a uh, number of factual errors. And the look on her face told everyone in the room from the president on down, they had some explaining to do. Why didn't anyone stop that? She demanded and look, there's some history to this, right? There, there was a first lady who became the de facto president. This is President Wilson's first lady. How much of a worry is there of the Jill Biden narratives creeping in to coverage? You know, I actually have not detected that, in part because this story just came out. Yep. And that being said, this story is 100% true. Jill Biden's... so. Every first lady has their role. I'd say Michelle Obama, in some ways, her role was to both uh, take care of the family, but also to keep Barack Obama honest. You know, she sort of gave him a hard time at times. Jill Biden's role is protector. And the fact is, she's incredibly involved, not just in political meetings, in scheduling meetings. If anything, she, her team usually draws him back, tries to get him more rest. The thing is that she is just intimately involved in every single detail um, that being said, I don't think there's any narrative yet of her making some of the policy decisions that uh, Woodrow Wilson's uh, wife made. All right. As I started this, I said you're the best source guy in the White House. What is the plan to turn the narrative around? Is it more press conferences like we saw last night? Are they going to start doing interviews or does this make them only just protect Joe Biden even more? It's an interesting question. I think you saw the beginnings of the strategy today, which is attack Robert Hur, right? Attack the report, attack the integrity. The fact that you have the vice president of the United States go out there and say that this report is politically motivated, that this special counsel, of, who was appointed by your own attorney general, that you picked, that you selected, that you praise as a huge man of integrity. Right. And then you're saying this is a politically motivated, one could call it a witch hunt. Well, and it, before the Democrats had had a chance to read the entire report, they were praising the report because it said there were no charges. So they were like, this is great. And then everybody, everybody read it. Have a great weekend. We'll look for the scoops coming up on Axios. Thank you, my Appreciate friend. Appreciate it, man. All right, coming up next, you'll hear all about the rain in California. Surely it means the drought there is over. Actually, no. Why the Golden State's mad rush into green energy means they still have a water problem despite all the rain. And later... How do world leaders, how do our enemies see former president, see current president Biden, the former director of the CIA, on how to deter our enemies in a moment of confusion? Of the response in Gaza, in the Gaza Strip has been um, over the top. 
The Los Angeles Times reports 80% of California's record-breaking rain, as you can see it flowing, is now in the oceans. Rather than, say, make Lake Mead or Lake Powell fill back up, or perhaps fill up newly built reservoirs during the drought that we heard about for years in California. Well, California has done very little or maybe even nothing to build an aqueduct system to capture and save the predicted deluge of water that came over the past few days and refill Lakes Mead and Powell. It's part of a larger problem. And we'll take California just as an example, where they spent $6 billion on wind and solar power in the name of climate change, but very little in the type of infrastructure needed to deal with the changing climates, like climate theater, security theater. Make grandma take off her shoes in the security line. It doesn't really make flying safer. It allows the government to spend money and have policies that sound good at cocktail parties. Climate economist at Columbia Business School, Gernot Wagner, is with us. Professor, we appreciate you being here. Thank you. Uh, is there, let's just stipulate for the, at the top that climate change is real. The climate is changing. Is money better spent mitigating it and dealing with it or trying to in some way stop all of our greenhouse emissions so it doesn't get worse? Um, well, both is the short answer. All right. So as an economist, I'm obligated to tell you that there are trade-offs. And of course, right, so you can't always get what you want, right, ever since, you know, philosopher Mick Jagger, I believe, his title. Uh, So, yeah, right, of course, we need to prioritize. But frankly, at the end of the day, yes, climate change is real. It costs a lot of money to adapt, to cope with. That's the adaptation bit. That's real money. We also, of course, need to do everything we can to prevent climate change in the first place. All right. So as an economist, you also know money, at least um, to most of us, and not the federal government, evidently, but to most of us, is a finite finite resource. Climate spending, $66 billion on clean transportation, $7.5 billion EV charging, $21 billion cleanup Superfund and brownfield sites, $65 billion um, on the power grid. Most, if not all, of that goes to clean energy rather than, say, natural gas or nuclear power um, and the like. Very little spending on the infrastructure to help deal with a changing climate. In fact, oftentimes it it, it works in in reverse. Um, You don't have enough electricity for air conditioning and everything else. Is that the best use of the money in this finite resource? Uh, Well, there is the $2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure plan. Right? Not all of it is climate, of course, but yeah, there's, you know, whatever it is, 600 billion or so, 800 billion um, resiliency, fortifying infrastructure. So also, the, of course, right, building the high-speed yeah, no, rail. I, I get that, but, I, get that, but to, I, take, I take California, and I mean, you just okay. look at all this water and you think, God, if they had figured out over the past 20 years a way to capture all of this water and spent money building those kinds of systems, it'd be, it'd be better This Rasmussen polling caught my eye. To fight climate change, would you favor or oppose the strict rationing of gas, meat, and electricity? Among Ivy League graduates, 89% say yes, 10% no. Among voters, 63% say no. Is is this caring about the climate and sort of these these pet projects, EV chargers and electric buses and everything else, as as well-intentioned as they might be, are they a luxury of the rich who don't end up enduring the, the real sort of costs 
uh, of them. Well, hold on. You can go to IKEA and buy a $60 induction stove. So, yes, right, you can blow $5,000 on the, you know, the Wi-Fi-enabled one. And actually, we have one right there over my, over my shoulder. I still don't know what the Wi-Fi is for, frankly. But, you know, it looks good, sure. But, you know, that was four years ago, by the way, when we spent that much money. If we bought the exact same one today, it's about half the cost. And yes, IKEA sells them for 60 bucks, right? Uh, we install more heat pumps these days in this country than uh, gas furnaces. Um, why? Well, because when you do the math, the heat pump that is five times more efficient to heat your home and yes, replaces air conditioning too, um, is in fact cheaper overall. No, no, they, 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 there, was part, there was part of that in the climate. Gernot, we appreciate it. Um, thank you very much for the perspective. Uh, good luck cooking dinner. Uh, sometime we'll come over. I'm sure the food's delicious. Coming up next. Please do. Let's face it. It is. All right, there we go. Thanks so much. We can, we can sort of agree on this. Joe Biden is a wartime president. Israel and Hamas, Russia and Ukraine, Iran and its proxies, China moving on Taiwan. Obama's Secretary of Defense, Leon Panetta, on when senior moments become serious threats to national security. There's some movement. There's been a response from the, uh, the, the there's been a response from the opposition. But um, it, it, yes, I'm sorry. From Hamas. President Biden earlier this week, he had forgotten the name of the group that Israel's been fighting for 125 days. You could hear a reporter prompt him. Yesterday, he mixed up the presidents of Egypt and Mexico. Certainly, we all noticed. He also, earlier this week, confused the leaders of France and Germany with those of that, those countries that had been dead for at least 20 years. You can imagine our adversaries have noticed as well. With us now, Leon Panetta, former CIA director, secretary of defense under President Obama, also former White House chief of staff under President Clinton. The court has now accepted you as an expert uh, in all matters, Washington, Mr. Secretary. It's nice to see you. Thank you. At what point, and you can draw the line for me, do what we'll call senior moments become national security issues? Well, that's, uh, that's an issue that uh, obviously, uh, you know, I think, I think the country uh, needs to know that, uh, that the president of the United States uh, is able to deal with our national security issues and understands them. And, I, you know, he's, he's had a tremendous amount of experience, knows these issues. Uh, and so obviously... Uh, you know, if uh, if he starts to have moments where it directly interferes with uh, decisions that have to be made on national security, then that's a concern. I think we should add diplomat to your list of qualifications with that answer, sir. Um, that I, I think about I think about what you said, though, if you're being asked about a war between Israel and Hamas, that has been going on for one hundred and twenty five days and you forget the name of Hamas, and you've confused Mexico because you've been dealing with the border with the president of Egypt who's been dealing with letting aid into Gaza, how is it not affecting national security? 
Well, look, you know, the real the real question affecting national security is whether or not he's making the right decisions uh, that will protect our country. Uh, that's that's what counts. You know, Fair enough. Uh, what he what he does uh, in press conferences or what mistakes he may make uh, when he's uh, being interviewed in one way or another. Uh, yeah, you know, it tells you something about the individual, but it doesn't really tell you uh, whether or not, uh, you know, our national security is in any way jeopardized as a result of that. I guess fair to say, though, that not only do the voters see that, see, oh, you know, the voters only see this, see that publicly as the moments we discussed, but our adversaries do as well. Um, Vladimir Putin was on television last night, interviewed by Tucker Carlson. Think what you want of him. Uh, This is what he had to say about President Biden's support for Ukraine. Take a listen. But I said to him then, I believe that you are making a huge mistake of historic proportions by supporting everything that is happening there in Ukraine by pushing Russia away. I told him, told him repeatedly, by the way. There is a thought, even among a a lot of hawkish Democrats I know, that there needs to be some kind of off-ramp for Ukraine, a negotiated settlement of some type, uh, which is how almost all, if not all, wars end, uh, is some type of negotiated peace. Are you seeing a move within the White House and within the U.S. defense establishment to begin getting us to that point? Well, the only only way we're going to get to that point uh, is to make sure that uh, Ukraine has the leverage to be able to uh, engage in those kinds of negotiations. And the only way Ukraine is going to get that leverage is if we provide aid to Ukraine, provide the funds that we promised Ukraine, provide the weapons we promised Ukraine, uh, and have Ukraine basically be able to not only defend itself, but hopefully be able to regain some of the territory that's been lost. That That is critical to the ability then to say to Putin, ultimately, rather than carrying on the way you are, we have to engage in some kind of credible yeah, negotiated resolution. Well, fair enough to say that it's a lot easier to negotiate from a position of strength than it is um, from weakness. Speaking of that, at least right now, Ukraine aid and Israel aid is tied together. Uh, This is from Elizabeth Warren. Prime Minister Netanyahu and his right-wing government have failed to get the hostages released and have killed nearly 30,000 Palestinians. No more blank checks for Netanyahu. We need to condition aid, resume ceasefire, and advance peace through a two-state solution. Um, I see a lot of problems with that tweet. Uh, We'll start with the bottom, which is most Palestinians don't want a two-state solution. But what I'm wondering in a larger sense is why is Ukraine, for Democrats, a blank check situation? And Israel... Uh, is something that aid can be conditioned on even with help from? Well, I, I think uh, the right position is to support both Ukraine and Israel uh, and to provide the aid that both need in order to be able to defend their democracies. That's, that's, that's the right reason. I, look, Full stop. People have okay. it's a condition. I've heard of conditions on Ukrainian aid. I've heard of conditions on Israeli aid, but frankly, the important thing right now is that the United States has to be credible to its word, which is that we are going to provide aid to both Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. 
And that, that's what counts. That's what really counts. No, in the, in, in the end, the policies and the actions speak a lot louder than words. Uh, Mr. Secretary, I've been a fan for, of yours for a long time and a great admirer going back to your time in the, in the Clinton White House. I, I'm glad we got to talk, and I hope we will again sometime soon, sir. Well, it's good to be with you, and uh, have a great weekend, and go 49ers. <laughs> we'll end it there. Speaking of the Super Bowl, thank you, sir. <laughs> Americans will bet $23 billion on the Super Bowl this weekend. All you need, well, is your phone. Even though the Super Bowl is in Vegas, the House in sports betting doesn't always win. Legal sports betting has changed the odds for all of us, especially in the Super Bowl, where fans will wager an estimated $23 billion. With us now, Johnny Avello, Director of Race and Sports Operations at DraftKings. This is kind of like your guys' Super Bowl. This is the, this is the big day, right? It is a big day. Uh, it's where we've had all these weeks of NFL betting, and now we're down here to perceive two best teams against one another, and this is when there'll be some major betting taking place. All right, $23 billion, so that qualifies uh, as major. Uh, that is roughly half of the yearly budget of the United States Marine Corps wagered, <laughs> wagered on one game. How, how many of the, those $23 billion, does that mean half half of it's going to be won and half of it's going to be lost? It doesn't necessarily work out that way. Um, you know, the, the bets aren't equal. Is it, we're, this game is not going to be split 50-50. It's going to be split 60-40. It's going to be split 58-42. Not, I can't tell you where, you know, where it'll end up. I can tell you right now it's more heavy on the Chiefs, so I'd say it's more towards the 60-40 split as of now. But that will change come Sunday. All right, you say it's more heavily on the Chiefs, and I, I have to ask, because for the first time we have something other than football to talk about as it relates to the Super Bowl. Is that the Taylor Swift effect? <laughs> I wouldn't say that the Taylor Swift effect has that much of an opinion on why the Chiefs are been, have, being bet heavily, but it certainly has some impact on it. Uh, we've actually taken that that whole Taylor Swift, uh, you know, Boyfriend, girlfriend Phenomenon. thing, and made it yeah. in, and turned it in and turned it into props. So we actually have put up some content related to Taylor Swift. Yeah, what color top will Taylor Swift wear? Will Taylor Swift That's be shown wearing a giant foam finger? Will Travis Kelsey <laughs> propose to Swift? Will Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift announce a pregnancy? Uh, there you go. Um, so this would be my question, though. Is it changing who's betting, right? Because so many now young women are suddenly interested in football. They have something to talk about with their dads and their brothers and their husbands as it relates to the Super Bowl in a whole different way. Uh, it does. I think that Taylor uh, Swift is such a marketing machine that, uh, to her attend an NFL game and, you know, to participate in NFL festivities. I think that is uh, drawing her crowd more closer to, to the NFL, which translates to some of those people making wagers. So she certainly has an impact on it. Uh, and it's only the beginning. So hopefully uh, this, these two will stay close in a close relationship and, and our betting, you know, the betting trend will continue. There's a lot of people who think that way. All right, right, Johnny, (laughs) what what as director of race and sports operations, what is a nightmare scenario for you 
at the Super Bowl? Is it a tie game? Well, it can't be a tie game. Is it is it is it a game within one point? What's the what's like the worst case scenario for you? What keeps you up at night ahead of the Super Bowl? Well, we certainly do not want this game to fall to 49ers win the game by two, because if we opened up 49ers two and a half, and that money was taken on the Chiefs side, and then we went to one, and then that money was taken on the 49ers side. So if the two would be the final number. We'd have to pay a lot of bets, and we'd have to give a lot of bets back. We'd have to return a good portion of the money. So two is not the good scenario. Okay, so 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 if it, if it's a really close game and it's two points apart, uh, we know you we know you'll be sitting there in the fourth corner uh, a little nervous. I can't do anything about it. So okay, uh, fair enough. Know, this, ha- this happens to us. There are a lot of games we put up during the year where the point spreads. Three and it falls three, or it's seven and it falls seven. We get what they call middled or sided. It happens. So we're going to relax. What was, what was, what's, the, enjoy this. what's the worst one ever? Like, what was the time you just thought, oh my God, I can't believe this ended this way? Uh, there was a Super Bowl game between the, the Cowboys and the Steelers, you know, many years ago, and the point spread was four. And so a lot of the betters were laying the three and a half. And a lot were taking the four and a half, and the game fell exactly four. We paid ooh. everyone. Ooh. Yeah, ooh is right. That, that hurts. Ooh, ooh. That, that, yeah, that, that hurts like getting tackled in an NFL game. All right, Johnny, uh, may it not be two points for you. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. All right, now we know how much gambling will be done on the other side. More money than ever will be spent on Super Bowl ads aimed at saving America's souls. The Super Super Bowl prayers when we come back. New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft donated $7 million for a 30-second Super Bowl commercial about Jewish hate. It'll air this Sunday, as will another ad that, as our Adrian Bankert reports, asks Americans to pray. For the first time in Super Bowl history, one of those million-dollar ads will be a humble prayer. God, we take this moment. It's not a pastor or priest doing the praying, but megastar Mark Wahlberg. Amen. Join us in prayer this Lent on Hallow. They prayed up. He and other celebrities inviting 100 million people to bow their heads during halftime, compliments of the prayer app, Hallow. For us, when we were thinking about what to do for the ad, we are like, well, Hallow is just prayer. So why don't we just take 30 seconds and pray together and give thanks to God for this opportunity? I mean, it's the Lord's Day. It's Sunday, so it feels fitting. Hallow bills itself as the number one Catholic meditation app with 14 million downloads. It promises peace, better sleep, and a relationship with the big guy and now during the big game. Jesus' name we pray. It comes at a time when faith-driven audiences are getting notice. Hallow is not the only tech company with a massive following. Companies like Abide and Pray.com combining profitability with purpose. Pray.com. 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 We love you guys. Pray calling itself the number one app for daily prayer and Bible stories, downloaded 16 million times. We've seen over 1,500% growth since the pandemic. 88% say that they've experienced less stress, less anxiety, better sleep just from doing our Bible bedtime stories or daily devotionals in the morning. We are currently actually proving that with clinical trials Uh, with Harvard and Biola and Berkeley and a few other universities. I think what people are really hungry for is like real peace, 
especially young people. I think everybody, but especially young people. What do you say to people who think that this is preachy, that there isn't a space for prayer in sports or in a public forum, that it should be more agnostic? We have a bunch of folks on the app of a bunch of different faiths who are just interested in exploring it. We're not trying to force anything, just inviting people into five minutes of silence, 10 minutes of silence with God. And I think it can change their lives. And, you know, what is amazing, Leland, is Hallow's popularity has only grown. In 2023, they made the list of the top 10 apps in the App Store. They made number three ahead of Spotify, ahead of TikTok, ahead of Instagram. And a lot of people are hearing about them because of their celebrity endorsements like Mark Wahlberg, like Jonathan Rumi from the show The Chosen. And with so many people praying today using technology, it's really showing that there is a huge market and a lot, a lot more people are going to hear about it on the Super Bowl, too. Uh, $7 million uh, for That's that ad. Uh, Adrian, congratulations. One Nation Under God uh, is the new segment here on News Nation. Congratulations. Have a great weekend. Also at the Super yes. Bowl this weekend will be nine-year-old Holden Armenta. We introduced you to him earlier this week. He and his family are suing the website Deadspin for an article claiming he wore blackface to an NFL game and some type of racist message this past November. It seems silly to say, but nobody saw anything wrong with the outfit. And Ra- Raiders fans are not normally known as the friendliest bunch, and even they were embracing. We have a picture of you with the, the Raiders cheerleaders. So what was it like when the article came out? What was it like for you at school? It was, like, scary because I didn't know what was happening. What did happen? Well, the whole Internet started to call me Chiefs blackface, racist. This racist kid figured out how to hate Native Americans and black people at the same time. All right, we heard from a lot of you about the segment, Rest Living Blessing. Children can't even be children anymore. He literally dressed up as the team's mascot. Racism exists, but this was not it. We have to agree with you. Racism does exist. The problem comes from making things racist that are not. And with that, we wish you a wonderful Super Bowl weekend. May you enjoy all the Taylor Swift in your life that you want. We'll see you on Monday. President, I put this country back on its feet. I'm the most qualified person in this country to be president of the United States and finish the job I started. Did President Biden's unexpected